All right, did you follow all that? <laughs> you think, man, that, that was a lot. Just go back the last couple of weeks, review the messages in the series, and you'll be all caught up. So by way of, of quick review, remember our text for this series is John 17, 17, where Jesus said, he's praying, he says, God, sanctify them by your truth. And then he makes a very important statement. He says, thy word is truth. Now, it's true that my water bottle is full, but in a little while, that won't be true anymore. Because things that are true can change. But things that are truth are unchangeable. That's why the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Doesn't need to be updated because he is truth. So you say, well, but I also tell people that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of change. So you have this change agent, the Holy Spirit, and then you have the truth who never changes. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, then why are you always changing stuff around here? And Jesus is the same. Because we're not him. And the Holy Spirit's job is to conform us to the image of the one who doesn't change. I don't know about you, but I ain't there yet. That's why it says no perfect people allowed on the side of the building. We make an exception for my wife, but other than that. <clears throat> so uh, we've been answering this question, how do we know the Bible is true? How do we know that the Bible has not been changed over the centuries by men to manipulate us into the behaving in such a way that they want us to behave? These are fair and good questions, and we've been answering those questions. That's why I encourage you to go back and watch the previous messages, because I don't have time to recover all that material. But we've also been talking about why the Bible, and not some other uh, book or some other system of thought. So why not the Quran or the Gita or, or Buddha's writings or the, the Mormon church's writings, which they come out with an updated copy every year. They publish it. They, why they, you, if it's the truth, you don't have to update it. Just throwing that out there. But on this peg of Scripture hangs all that we believe as Christ followers, which is why I encourage you to go to a church that preaches the Bible, not opinion. And I love good gospel preaching. I, I am a preacher. That's what I prefer to do, even though I've been in teach mode a little bit during this series. And thank God for the good, inspired, spirit-inspired preaching of the Word. But how many know <laughs> that sometimes the emotions uh, might not help you out none? <laughs> Unless it come out of the book, right? Because it's the truth that changes us, that helps us, that heals us. God's word is medicine. God's word is light. God's word is wisdom. Not the Reader's Digest. So we've been finding and traversing on the bridge from the head to the heart because we, as Christ followers, are not asked to believe without verification, which is really good news because a lot of times we're accused of just having blind faith. But let me remind you that real faith is not blind. Real faith can see some stuff that these eyes will never see. Because faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. That's real faith. Now, this isn't in my notes, but if you want to get a picture of what blind faith looks like, talk to an atheist. Because they have faith in all kind of stuff that they cannot prove. The theory 
of evolution, for example. It's a theory. It cannot be proven by observational science or historical science. It can't be repeated. Say, oh, but there's, there's evidence. The evidence all points to the veracity of Scripture. Say, well, what about uh, carbon dating and stuff like that? Well, I don't have time to get into that. You should, you should Google that, but there's uh, an explanation because the, basically the shelf life of carbon is only like 50,000 years. So how can you date something that's millions of years old with something that doesn't even last 100,000 years? So <clears throat> anyway, it's not scientifically sound. The point being is that the fossilization pro process supposedly takes a long, 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 long time, millions and millions of years, but why do they find fossilized fish with another fish in its mouth that's eating for dinner? It's because that thing happened quick. It's called the flood, and it happened fast. So, and again, that's not in my notes, but people ask me stuff like this all the time, and they're good questions, and I, I think it's good to ask questions if you really want the answer because a critic is someone who will believe evidence if it's provided to them. A cynic is someone who won't believe even when you give them the evidence. So, you know, one of my favorite questions, and I'm no scientist, as I'm probably going to demonstrate in a few minutes, but, <clears throat> um, but we'll say, well, how did Noah, the Bible can't be true, because how did Noah get all those animals on the ark? Um, wow, I'm chasing squirrels this morning. <clears throat> And squirrels were probably on the ark, but, uh, but the Bible doesn't say that all the species were on the ark. It says that all kind were on the ark. Quick example, uh, or a couple examples. You know, if you, the scientists are now telling us that there's only one color of people on earth. And the reason for that is because there's only one race of people on the earth. Some of you are like, well, wait a minute. I know that ain't right. No, there's one color, <clears throat> just different shades. I'm just telling you what the scientific community is telling us. And so, and to say, well, Pastor, what do you believe about, um, uh, like, interracial marriages? Well, I don't believe in them because there's only one race. You can marry whoever you want. <laughs> Moses married an Ethiopian woman. So, my boy liked brown sugar. So, hey, whatever you like, man. So, <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So... So, but my point being is that, well, well how, why are we all different shades? It's easy. When Noah and his crew got off the ark, there was eight of them, and, the Bible, and then the Tower of Babel happened, and God confused their language, just spread everybody out. Remember that? And some folk, they moved to the cold, the cold places and where there was mountains. There probably weren't a lot of mountains before the flood, and the flood pushed all the heights up. That's why they find fish fossils up in Mount St. Everest and stuff like that. And so, but, but, and because their skin began to adapt because there was less sunlight, and blue-eyed people are real sensitive to sunlight, and I, and I can testify to that. And so, but, so they started marrying each other, and they had fewer and fewer children with dark skin because they were all light-skinned. So it's not, and, and then the, the people who went to Africa and the Middle East, they had darker skin because they were out in the sun, and it was hotter, and they married and had more children that looked more like, more like their parents. So it's, it's, I said, well, that proves evolution. No, evolution is adding information. This is just a rearranging of information. So adaptability and evolution are two totally different things. If evolution were true, then why have I not yet met a four-armed man? Or why, why have we not been evolving in the last millennia? So the, the evolution, if it were true, would still be occurring. But adaptability happens all the time. So on the ark, there were two wolves. And they fell in love. <laughs> they had little puppy wolves. And then when they came off the ark, 
the, the gene pool was a lot sm smaller, so they populated the dog world, and now today we have poodles. But there were no poodles on the ark. Right? It just goes to show you that, that poodles were not God's original. All right, so anyway. Uh, so, but all the same information is there. It's just been rearranged in different order. I'll give you another example. Man, I'm really off my notes, but this is just good stuff. So in the English language, we have 26 letters, right? If you didn't know that, we have 26 letters in the English language, A through Z, right? And so, but we can take those. And they tell us that from those 26 letters, we can create over 400,000, almost a half million words. That's impressive. But you take those half million words, you can arrange them in an infinite order, and you can create encyclopedias and, and novels and volumes and volumes and volumes of material from the rearranging of the, that's like the genetic code. All right, so this is where it really gets interesting. In the 50s, two atheists got together and said, they were scientists, let's prove that there is no God and that we as humans are just chemical reactions. That we're just chemistry. So they got together, they studied for a long time, they won a Nobel Peace Prize because they discovered DNA. And they're like, see, we're just chemistry. But as you know, 50, 60 years have gone by, we have better and better microscopes, and, we, and now scientists are telling us that, wait a minute, this isn't just chemistry. The more we look at DNA, the more stuff we see. For example, well, the staff, we had a staff beach day last week, and if we were on the beach and all of a sudden this clay tablet washed up, this did not happen, but just hypothetically, this clay tablet washed up and we picked it up and, oh, what is this? Look, there's some sort of markings on it. What does it mean? I don't know. It's symbols and codes and pictures and squiggles and well, it's some sort of language. Like Morse code, right? Everybody know what Morse code is? It's not Morris, by the way. It's Morse. Morse code. He's the guy who invented it. It's just dots and dashes that represent letters, and you put them together, and you can communicate, right? I just said help. <laughs> All right. I'm not really. I don't know what I just said, so I'll probably cuss. I'm sorry. Cussed in church in Morse code. But any, anywho, so, but you put those, and you figure, you have to crack the code. Now, if we receive this tablet, we could see that it has the characteristics of a language, but we don't know what the language is telling us until we figure out the code. Here's what scientists are telling us now, that when they look at DNA strands, it has the characteristics of a language. It has markings and dots and dashes and symbols, and, and there's structure to it, and, and, and the, the helio, and all these different things. But the thing is, it looks like language, but they don't know what it's saying. Furthermore, the nickname for DNA is the Book of Life. Now, have you ever seen, uh, you know, has a printing press ever exploded? And that's how we got our dictionary. No, it's not, that's not how we got our dictionary, right? No more than the Big Bang happened, and that's how we got our, our universe. Usually when things explode, it creates disorder, not order, right? So uh, just simple, simple logic. So if a beautiful printed book were to come in front of us, we would know that it was designed by someone and that someone with intelligence put that information. Inform is the part of the word information. Formation, God, in, he formed us and made us into his image. By the way, Christianity is the only religion that says that we're made in the image of God. So if you want to know what God looks like, <laughs> just look in the mirror. And that's what he looks like. He looks like us, right? 
All right, so they say that DNA looks like language. They just don't know what it's saying. It's the book of life. Your book has 46 chapters and 46 chromosomes, 23 from your mama, 23 from your daddy. And that's why all these billions of people have been born, but none of us look alike. Even identical twins aren't identical. Why? It's the same information that's just been rearranged so many different times. Just like the alphabet, we get a half million words and volumes and novels and all these things, right? So it's not new information that's not been introduced. It's just the rearranging of the information that's already there. Now, said all that to say... <laughs> We're not asked to believe without verification. St. Augustine said, God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason, but the very limits of our reason make faith necessary. That's good stuff. Now let's get to the scripture. You ready? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says in the NIV, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer... The Greek word is apologia, so we get the word apologetics, which does not mean someone who apologizes for a living or says, I'm sorry a lot. That's someone who gives a a logical defense for the evidence that they are providing. So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. So we're not supposed to give answers to questions. We're supposed to give answers to people because how many of it's people that need answers? And may I simplify that Jesus is that answer. That's why you never hear anybody take Buddha's name in vain. Or I've been on a lot of flights in my time, and I've been in some some serious, serious turbulence. And I've never once heard anybody call on Allah or Hare Krishna. You know, and I I heard atheists one time say, Jesus Christ. And I said, that's right, buddy. You got that right. <laughs> He's the only one that can help you. All the rest of them, their bones are in the ground. But, he says, give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason. And a reason mean, in the Greek means an explanation of the divine expression. Because God's expressing himself everywhere all around, isn't he? So give a reason for the hope that you have. Does anybody have any hope? How many believe tomorrow's going to be better than today? Did you know today's the poorest you'll ever be? The sickest you'll ever be, the saddest you'll ever be. It just gets better from here. Come on, somebody. Give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. We're not supposed to be dissing on anybody, throwing shade. We're not supposed to cut anybody down. We're not trying to win an argument. We're just providing the reason for our hope. You think, well, what evidence do I have, Pastor Kevin? I I don't know all this stuff like you do. You don't have to know all this stuff. You just got to know one thing. Jesus. Right, So you can say this, hey, I don't, listen, I don't know where dinosaurs came from or what happened to them, but let me tell you this. All I know, I don't know about wolves and poodles, I don't know about none of that stuff, but let me tell you what I do know, that I was messed, I was jacked up, and I called on the name of Jesus, and I'm not near as jacked up as I used to be. I was addicted, but now I'm not. I was depressed, and now I'm not. Why? Jesus. That's all you got to know is Jesus, Right? So I'm just telling you the scientific and the arch. I quoted a Jewish archaeologist last week who said, not one archaeological discovery has ever been made in the history of mankind that has ever disproved the Bible. They've only proved the Bible. And this guy's not even a Christ follower. He said that's Old and New Testament. 
So they used to think, well, the Bible's not true because we can't find the Hittites. The Bible talks about the Hittites, but we can't. Then they found all these extra-biblical sources and records of the Hittites and the archaeological evidence of the Hittites. We're still trying to figure out where the termites and cellulites came from. But we know where the, 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 to the Hittites, they definitely we have proof of their existence. But nothing, science doesn't disprove Scripture, it proves it. Somebody asked me, uh, probably a year or two ago now, they say, when science discover something that proves the Bible, does it give you more faith in the Bible? I said, no, it gives me more faith in science. I already believed the Bible. (laughs) But even in our infancy of understanding science, a few things we do know. We do know that truth as a category does exist. It's not relativism. What's true for you may not be true for me. Well, that's how we got the Holocaust and slavery. So that doesn't work, obviously. What's true for you? I know what's true. We go up to the roof of the building and, and jump. It's going to be true for both of us. I don't care what you believe. All right? It's called laws. So, and it is possible in the majority of philosophical, historical statements to verify the truthfulness of those affirmations. John Calvin said, faith is not a distant view, but a warm embrace of Christ. So, let's get to some more scripture. You ready? We've been talking about the word. Let's read the word. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Everybody say his name is Jesus. There's something about that name, isn't it? Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. I mean, when you just say, you want to change the atmosphere, just say his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, plural, more than one who pardons all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases. Do you believe he'll forgive any sin if you repent of it and ask him to? Is there any sin that he can't forgive? What what about the serial killer? If he repents, will God forgive him? Well, what about the rapist or the abortionist or just fill in the blank? Are you sure? If he repents, will God forgive him? There's no sin that's too hard for him to forgive? Okay, then, then why do we believe there's some disease that's too hard for him to heal? If he forgives all of our sins, he heals all of our iniquities. Well, they haven't found a cure for it yet. Yes, we have. We got the cure. I don't know, the Bible says his word is like medicine. It's medicine to your flesh. It nourishes your bones. How many of that will heal leukemia right there? He heals all my diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. So so, no sudden calamity who crowns your life with loving kindness and tender mercies. I like this next part. Who who satisfies your years with good things. How many know when you're old, you're still going to have some good things? That your youth is renewed like the eagle. With long life, he satisfies us and shows us his salvation. I was thinking the other day, if I live to be 106, that means I'm going to die sometime after April of 2077. It's pretty good. If I, if I walk in love and am led by the Spirit, I'm going to still be hopping around doing stuff for Jesus as an old guy. I mean, I look pretty good for a 60-year-old, don't I? <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. Psalm 119 and verse 5. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word is a flashlight in the dark and a lamppost along your... So if you'll walk in the light, you'll stay on the path. 
Isaiah 40 and verse 8 says, Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands, how long? Forever. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. There's no debate, there's no dispute in heaven, his word is settled. It goes on to say in verse 30, the entrance of thy word brings light. When you get the Bible in an area of your life, it brings something with it. It brings light. And it also imparts understanding to the simple. Not to the simpleton, but that word means uncomplicated. If you'll just say, you know what? I don't know about the doctor's report. I don't know about the economy. I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm going to believe God's word. And he will bring light and understanding to you. I, I, I have a blessing in my life, and that is I, I trust people, uh, and, and, and I'm just a trusting person. Sometimes it bites me in the hiney, you know what I'm saying? I trust people I shouldn't trust, but my wife, she's like, you just trust anybody, but it comes in handy when I read the Bible because I go, oh, it must be true. It's in there. It must be true. So I just believe it because I'm simple. I'm not stupid, I'm just, but, I'm, but I'm simple. If you, I just expect if you tell me something, then you mean it because that's what I do. You know why God cannot lie? Because if he says something, he does it. If God says, Jesus said, that speaker is white, guess what's going to happen? It's going to turn snowy white. Hebrews 4 says, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you ever can't tell between your head and your heart, get God's word involved. It'll divide the two. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. Is God's word profitable in your life? If you need more profit, what should you get more of in your life? God's word. Exactly. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 uh, and 13 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we thank God constantly that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as what it actually is. Well, what is it? It is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. God's word works inside of believers, those who believe it. Well, I can't feel it working. Well, it's a good thing we're not feelers, we're believers. It's working in you. So again, we said DNA looks like language that hasn't been decoded yet. Now, let me tell you why that's so cool. Because of Psalm 107, verse 20. It says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So why, what does that have to do with DNA? All right, check it out. So no intelligent person does not believe in healing. We all believe in healing. Say, well, did you ever fall off your bicycle when you were a kid and scrape your knee? Oh, yeah, one time. It was awful. My mom doctored me up, put a big old pen. Well, let me see it now. Well, it was healed now. It's what? Right. So God put in the code for when injury, if injury occurs, for the body to naturally mend and heal itself, right? To fix itself. So when sin was introduced, it disrupted the code. It still works, but not like it used to. So when you are in need of healing, what is God? He sent Jesus. He sent the word of God. And what does he do? He speaks into that code 
and he fixes, he puts back in order that which is out of order. He heals, he brings ease where there was dis-ease and health where there was malfunction. He rearranges the code. Now, I know that sounds kind of matrixy or whatever, but it's so cool to think of it in that, in that way. There's enough information. In one molecule of your body, there's, there's almost a terabyte of information. In one molecule, there's enough information in one of us that if we lined it up end on end, it would go all the way to our sun and back to earth again. That's how fearfully and wonderfully made you are. And what are you made of? Well, I'm going to show you. Hebrews 1. Well, this is, this is just good. I know what's coming. I'm excited. This is good. <laughs> Hebrews 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke. God talks, doesn't he? In times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus, and he's appointed him heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who, Jesus, being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Not the power of his word, but the word of his power. So when God wants to express or use his power, he speaks. They say that all things that, that, that they are made, even the stage, it's moving. If you look at it under a microscope, the faster something moves, it's a liquid or a gas, right? So they said inside of the atom there are quarks, which are triangular shaped, and they are made up of sound waves. They're called quarks. Well, what do you think those sound waves are? In the beginning, God said. I wish I had... Uh, Sometime I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach a sermon that's 10 things that the Bible told us before science discovered them. I mean, seven things, 10 things, there's probably more than that. But, but one of them is that you can transmit bits of information through light waves. We, we do it every day on our cell phone, right? Well, how many of that was in the Bible before AT&T figured it out, Right? So, science is always proving the Bible. It's not the other way around. All right, let me keep reading here. So, he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sin. How many know he didn't need any help? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels. For by inheritance he obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Has he ever called an angel his son? No. That disproves a lot of other weird teachings that you hear. So uh, I won't get into all that. But if you will take the Bible and read it, it will keep you on the path of truth. And the truth does what it makes us free. Now finally, Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance or gives substance to things that we hope for. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. For by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. What does our faith do? It obtains things for us. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You ever had a framer build you a house or frame up a, a workshop or something for you? God framed the world and the universe, the eons, by his word. It's all framed by the word of God. He holds all things together by the word of his power. It goes on to say that we understand that the worlds were made so that the things which we see were made out of things which we cannot see. Faith sees the invisible. So, we know that matter...
can be turned into energy. Take a log, you put it in the fire, it goes from solid, it goes to, right, it changes. So in our infancy of science, we know that God is light, which is energy. So E equals MC squared, the, great, the most famous equation of all time, right? It was received by a man in a dream, and he wrote it down, Albert Einstein. And so energy and mass are related by a constant, and that is the speed of light squared. Why is the speed of light the constant? Because God is light, and God doesn't change. So I don't mean to get all physics on you and that kind of thing, but I just want if you, were, if you went to, had a physics class, you'll remember Einstein's theory of time dilation. He says, the faster you move through space, the slower you move through time. That's how we know God is what we call eternal. He lives outside of time. You think, what in the world are you talking about? Some of you are tracking with me. Some of you, you don't care. But the point being is that God is not in time like us. Because he moves at the speed of light, God's speed, he's outside of time, and he can step down into any part of history, which is his story, that he wants. And you know, his whole story is about his son getting a bride, and that's us. It's a big romance novel, is what it is. But knowing that con the constant is light, it helps us understand a verse better, and it's John chapter 1 and verse 4. And we're almost done. It helps John 1 make more sense. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, the Word. And apart from Him, the Word, nothing came into being that has come into being. And in Him was life, that's Zoe, and the life was the light of men. What kind of light? That word means the development. Whenever a nation receives the Bible, that nation becomes a developing nation. Nations that have rejected the word of God, today we call them third world countries. They're not developed or developing. The Bible will make you smarter. Kid you not. When I was born again, my grades went up. It's a true story. It's not because I did more homework, I promise. I, I, I was told that because they were, they were testing kids and they were, they were like, I said, I want, to be I want my IQ tested. They were like, oh, no. We're not going to test you, Kevin. <laughs> so I lived my whole life thinking I was dumb. And then I got born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then as a young adult, I had to take an IQ test for some, you know, CEO assessment thing. And I got the results back. And they were like, well, your IQ is really impressive. I'm like, it is? Like, what do you mean? Depressive or impressive? They're like, no, is there, you're almost a genius. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm just as surprised as you are. You know, so, but, my, but it's not because I'm just born smart. I was born again smart. Right? I mean, I've, I've learned another language. And I'm not, I almost mean speaking in tongues. I mean, I can do that too. But I'm talking about I've learned another language. And, and God will help you to understand things that you couldn't understand because he knows it all. He'll teach you how to fix a truck. He'll teach you how to, I mean, he's smart. He made all this stuff. Isn't that right? Chris Hadfield, he's a NASA space launch commander. He's been to space several times, and he said, the more you know regarding physics and launching rockets, the less fear you have. I'm going to take his word for it on that. But it made me think of Romans 10, 17 that says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you regularly feed on God's word, God's word is like a container. It has something in it. It has life in it. It has faith in it. And faith 
does something incredible. It pushes, it expands, and it pushes things out of your life that shouldn't be there. Like chemistry, you can have all the right elements. And uh, I don't know if Josh is, is here. He's my, my chemist. Oh, you want, you want to come up here and talk me through this? Come on, Jay. Give it up for Josh. He's a chemist. He's a biologist. And he owns the best coffee shop in Baldwin County called Beakers. Beakers. All right. So this is going to represent our life. Right? And we decide we're going to get religion, right? This is going to be the word of God. How many of God's word will clean you up, right? And clean you out as far as that goes. But it takes grease out of the way. Okay. I'm going to put something here, right? Yep. All right. And then we have, is this, then we have some trash. How many, anybody have, have any trash in your life? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Don't point at your neighbor. Depression, addiction, debt, divorce, death, diabetes, disease, um, discomfort, strained relations, strained relationships, poverty, poverty just, just junk, right? Bad thinking, fear, blah, blah, blah. Am I going to stir this? Stir this. Oh. So what do we have here, Doc? This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This, this is, you, we got God's Word in you, but how many you can have God's Word in your life and it not do you any good? So how is that possible? Because you haven't mixed any faith with it. The Bible says that the Hebrew children went through the desert for 40 years. They heard God's Word, but because they didn't mix any faith with it, it did not profit them. Here's the good news. You don't, need, you don't need much faith. You just need a little faith. you got to stir up God's Word. And then when you add a little bit of faith into the equation, it can push all the junk out of your life. So what I'm telling you today is you can have confidence that this Word is true. Now I'm trying to get you just to eat it, to feed on it like the bread of life, and to make some faith. Well, if God's Word said it, it must be true. Just believe it. We've given you the historical data, the archaeological data. We've given you all the other information that should prove to you that it is the most, even secular experts from Yale, which is not a bastion of conservatism, are saying that the Bible is 99.6% accurate. From a, just from a scientific, secular, historical document, archaeological, they're saying it's 99.6% accurate. How many know it's actually 100%? They just, just, they just don't understand that 0.4% that they're missing, but it's true. All right, when you put a little bit of faith into the Word of God in your life, all the junk gets pushed out, all the sickness and disease and the poverty and the, whoo, man. So it's not just enough to have a Bible. It's, and you don't even need much faith. You just need a little, come on, come on man. You're preaching it, baby. It's good faith, stuff. Man. You must have had coffee this morning. But you got to mix some faith. And when you mix faith, they say, Pastor Kevin, how did you get so smart? The Word of God. How come you're in such good health and you're almost 50 years old? This is the Word of God. How come you're so blessed? Look, I got a high school education. The Word of God. How did you learn another language? The Word of God. How did you learn to play two or three instruments? I promise you, I learned to play the piano in a dream one night. Jesus appeared to me in a dream, and, he, and I was playing the piano. He goes, you like doing that? I said, I like this, Jesus. He said, why do you want to play the piano? I said, because I want to worship you. He said, all right, play the piano. 
When I woke up the next morning, I went in there. I started playing the piano. My parents were like, what happened to you? How'd you learn how to do that? I'm like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> and I told them, they're like, you're right, I don't believe that. <laughs> but I, could, I couldn't play one day, I could play the next. Now, I'm no Beethoven or anything, but I could, I could worship Jesus. How? It's the Word of God. I'm telling you, you look, look at me. You don't know how amazing I am. <laughs> I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you. God is no respecter of persons. He can take a nothing, nobody. I'm telling you, I was, I was born. I wasn't born great. I was born again great. Because it's all about the family that you're in. You're in the family of God. You're a king's kid. So believe it. Act like it's true. And just see what will happen. Stuff will start getting pushed out of your life, and the good stuff will start filling your life. Jesus called it abundant life. You say, what is that? Trust me, you want to try it. And he's giving out free samples today. If we got any takers, I want you to know that if you've never said, well, I don't know if I believe all that stuff. L listen, there's something, maybe your head it can't compute it. I get that. I, I, sometimes it is beyond our reason, which is why we need faith, but it is reasonable. It's scientific, it's historical, it's, it's archaeological, it all makes sense, it adds up. And we've just scratched the surface today, but I'm telling you, your head might not configure it all out, but something in your heart today is saying, man, I, it's got to be true. What is that that I'm feeling? What is that that I sense? That's the spirit of the living God who fills all things, who, he's omnipresent, but today he's making his presence manifest to you. There's a difference in his omnipresence and his manifest presence. I went to a Hindu temple one one time, and I didn't feel the presence of Jesus, but I started saying his name. I started worshiping Jesus, and every devil in that place got stirred up, and I, almost, I started almost a, a riot. They ran me out of there. They're, they didn't even know what I was saying, but they ran me out. They're like, something on you that we don't like. It's not supposed to be here. What is that? Says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. This is fun stuff, man. This is fun stuff. I'm telling you, and it's not just doesn't just make logical sense. I'm talking about this is we we didn't I'm not coming to you today with persuasive words of human wisdom. I want you to know that there's a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power that's available to you. He heals disease. He still walks on water and calms seas and heals diseases and raises the dead. So, well, why didn't it work for me? Why did this thing, bad thing happen to me? I don't know. I mean, Forrest Gump, he said crap happens. I don't know why it happens. Other than we live in a fallen world and there's a devil who doesn't like you, but then he sent his word and he healed them. He he, there's healing available for you today, friend. In your marriage, in your mind, in your body, in your finances, there's healing available to you. He wants to put his word into your code and fix some stuff. And if you want that, I'm going to pray for you right now. Would you bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would manifest your word to these, your people, because you love them so much. God so loved the world that he gave us his word. He gave us his son, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. If you're here today and you've never made the word of God, Jesus, the Lord of your life, or maybe you prayed some prayer a long time ago, but you've not been living like he's Lord. You've been living like your Lord. I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation today. If you say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. Would you raise your hand right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to call you to the front. But if you say, please include me in that prayer, raise your hand right now. Awesome. God bless you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. God bless you. Eight. 
9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. God bless you. I, there's so many hands, I can't see you all. But there's at least 20, 21 people that just raised their hand. You're about to be revolutionized by the loving, powerful Word of God that holds all things together. Maybe your life's been falling apart, but it's going to be different after today, my friend. Let's all pray it together. If you're watching us online, pray with us right now. Say it with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus is your word, and I declare he is my Savior and my Lord. From this day forward, Jesus, I am yours, and you are mine. Now fill me with your spirit. Give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Even when one repents, there's a party in heaven. Come on, somebody. Woo! That's why we do what we do. Yeah. Hallelujah.